0: are Originals
1: This is Defending in Numbers
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Defending in Numbers the podcast where we take a little walk through the corridor of uncertainty pretending to know a little bit more about football than we really do and helping me pretend this week is the most electrifying man in all of football statistics George Alec, how are you doing, George?
1: Good, mate. How are you? I feel like I haven't seen you for so long. I'm so happy to be back. Can't believe it. I think what? I think it was only a week off, but that is that is a week too long. What
2: a reunion! I know, this it's, it's emotional. emotional.
0: And then we are joined by Mo Money, Mo Problems, Mo But, Mo. How are you doing? Your first time?
2: I'm feeling great. Really ready to get stuck in and do some uh, do some defending in numbers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I am Rob Armstrong. And I am also a subscriber to the podcast because I like listening to myself. And I subscribe to it on Deezer. I subscribe on iTunes and all the places where you can get podcasts. I also sometimes make fake names and rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. Like you all should do. Boost the algorithm. Speaking of algorithms, let's move to the week by numbers. The week by numbers. All right then, party boys. Who fancies a huge number to start us off? They both say yes, really loudly. <laughs> Who turns to the listeners? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're all party boys as well. The well, party yeah. boy listeners. Who doesn't love a
2: huge number? Let's go for it. Right, party on
0: down. For 8,893. Romelu Lukaku's age in days. That's how he actually writes it, by the way. 24 years. 127 days, which makes him the fourth youngest player to ever reach 90 Premier League goals. Which is ridiculous. I cannot believe how young he is. He's up there with the best of them, but the only ones who have done it younger is Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen and Wayne Rooney. And of course, I mean, Romelu Lukaku did the rounds a little bit before he you know, made his way and established himself as a first team. He was at West Brom, he was at Everton, obviously he was at Chelsea, and they loaned him out. He's been all over the place. How good is he to get to that number already at the age of 24?
1: I think you've hit the nail on the head a bit there with with where he's been before. I think that's a huge factor in it. Um, I'm also glad we're talking about this number, unlike uh, the, the some of the press that's been around the last couple of days to so wear slightly different number. So it's good we're covering covering something a bit better, but. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's obviously brilliant. Uh, he, he's, he's got his kind of second big move of his career. The first one's Chelsea didn't work out. If you look at his stats this season, he scored five Premier League goals from his 18 shots taken inside the box, which is a pretty good ratio. And some people who criticise him say he misses um, a few good chances in order to score a good one. But if he continues at that rate this season, he's going to score, he's going to basically score ahead of a lot of goals. Um only Harry Kane, I think, has had more shots inside the area so far this season. Lukaku scored more. He's he's an absolute monster. He's young enough to 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 be doing it for the next kind of six or seven years. Um, I had some doubts about him early on, but I think that so far this season he's proving me. Proving me wrong, and he's, he did that deliberately as well. I know he chose you. He heard, said, he, he listened. He listened to the pods. I think in the first You're not week, that and after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's. I, I don't think he's as good as. I, I don't think he'll ever be one of the best players in the world. But I think he'll capably lead the line for United for the next five or six years.
0: No, he's the youngest foreign player ever to do it in the Premier League. Do you
2: rate him? I rate him hugely. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you look at the three players that did it, I mean, Rooney, Owen, and Fowler. You know, they're all scousers, all you know, young lads, come up from the, in the northwest clubs and this guy this guy's came in from uh from Belgium when he was like 18 years old 17 years old you know he's been like you said the bounced around the league. he got gone to West Brom had, he had to prove himself in a v- number of teams which let's be quite honest aren't that really aren't really that good you know Owen and uh Owen and Fowler did did those numbers playing for Liverpool uh Rooney did those most of it playing for Man United you know uh, those are huge clubs ever uh, Lukaku has only just joined United I mean he's got six and six or seven and seven I think to start the season already but you know most of that stuff has been done playing for mid-table clubs it's really impressive what he can do and the thing is what's what's so crazy about him is that he's still improving there are still areas of his game where he can massively make improvements it's, everyone talks about his first touch and okay sometimes sure but I think his ability to finish on his right foot on the fir- first time, he has to, when he measures it on his right foot, he's okay. He has to be able to finish first time with right foot, like against uh Real Madrid in the Champions League in a UF Super Cup. Sorry, you know, there's so much more to be improved. He could be one of the like not the best players in the world, but definitely one of the best strikers in the world. I mean, he could easily start hitting thirty goals regularly every season playing for Man United. I, I, I
1: do think just to say, you mean you say it's more impressive? I think I think coming through at, apps, at kind of being a big fish in a small pond. at, at maybe smaller clubs is probably a benefit rather than a hindrance. I think the fact that the likes of Fowler and Owen, kind of maybe not as much Rooney because he was Everton, managed to kind of come through at that young age and break into these kind of more elite teams is, is is possibly more a more impressive achievement. But then I think Lukaku, as was seen by the fact he failed to do so at Chelsea, is a better player for
0: it. What have we learned from this? Scousers peak early.
2: Well, I mean, Just those three. he'll be he'll be hoping he doesn't have a career like those guys. They're all burned out by 25. Correct. You know, he'll be, he'll, he'll be hoping he can keep going. And by the looks of it, he'll think he can do, so...
0: He's already showed more longevity than all of them, really. <laughs> and he's got the big move to Man United as well. Do you reckon? How long do you reckon he's staying in the Premier League? Cause we, we, everyone talks about uh, Harry Kane taking that Shearer record, but I would have thought Lukaku is probably looking... Pretty good to take a Premier League goal-scoring record at some point as well. Is right? he, he's going, to he f- he's going to have
2: to compete with Kane? I guess I don't see him necessarily leaving United. You know? I think there are, there are certain players. I mean, obviously Latin American players, South American players. You think eventually it's Real Madrid and Barcelona are going to go, hey guys, and they're going to answer the call. But with uh, you know Lukaku's Belgian. He's he's really good friends with Pogba. He seems to have settled down in the northwest of England. Um, you know, I don't see unless Mina Ryla decides to you know hatch a plot. I don't really see any massive move coming for him. You know, United are, are big enough and financially powerful enough. They can just keep paying him more and more money. You know, renewing renewing him as and when it happens.
1: I think I think Kane is more likely to go. I'd have thought out of the two, yeah. eventually. Also, because yeah. the way because the wage structure at Spurs, he's, well, exactly. he's eventually going to get his head turned. And now that United have got, I think United was probably the most likely destination for Kane. And now they've got Lukaku, he will probably be somewhere on the continent. Right.
0: Talking of wage structure, let's go to George's uh, appearance fee today: three hundred and fifty million, <laughs> which is the current value of Everton squad in euros, which is the same as buying. Bayern- Munich. Someone called Nick Harris said that on Twitter at Sporting Intel. He's got a massive plug there. It's going to change his career. He's uh, got, but he's they got find a huge themselves following.
1: huge,
0: <laughs> huge change in his career coming. Uh, they find themselves in the relegation now. Obviously, Bayern Munich, are, Bayern Munich, Everton are languishing underneath West Ham. Even Coman surely he's under massive pressure now
2: yeah I would I would say enormous but uh, you know part of it we have to be a bit generous with Ronald Koeman here as much as they have been pretty abject to start the season they've had a very hard run of games and um, the fact they got a point out of Man City at all is pretty impressive although they they are tend to be Man Man City's bogey side but you know United Arsenal uh, you know Chelsea these are not easy games Uh, so you have to sort of almost forgive them a little bit throwing Arsenal Spurs you've got to almost forgive them a little bit their, their failures so far but they have bought poorly in the summer I mean, as much as they bought well they've also failed to address the key needs in their attack of a striker and, and pacey wide players they just look like the most predictable pedestrian side in the world I mean they look like you could you know you could you, you or anyone can just get on the pitch and run <laughs> that, with them is
0: that a personal dig what across
2: the room I think, was, think I you pay for anyone I'm well quick I could say myself <laughs> then maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I could get out there and, and run with the best of them. I mean, Rooney, you know, honestly. I, I, I mean... I think they've been very
1: poor, and I think that you mentioned the city game, but obviously they got lucky with a well, not lucky, but they had the red card there, which benefited them. as the city still absolutely dominated in the second half with ten men. Um, if you look at their kind of transfer strategy, I think that the glaring omission, which is so clear, is how can you spend all that money and not replace your best player? If you, if are you, talking about squad values in terms of importance to the club, Lukaku basically just was more important than ten other, ten other most consistent starters last year. So to not bring in a striker who can lead the line, I mean, they showed last season that they had the they had the team who could cater for a striker to score lots of goals, and you know the signings of Keane and the signing of Pickford will probably in, in in the long term be good ones but then if you look at you know Claassen could come good Rooney Sandro these aren't players who are necessarily going to improve that team and certainly not on the calibre of uh, of Lukaku so I'm whilst you know Mo is right it's been a very hard start for them it I was very surprised in the summer when you had people saying that they were winning the transfer window and they were doing all this good business because it all seemed pretty pretty shambolic to me and it's going to take a big drop from Kuman to uh, to turn it around. And you can see in his interviews now he's saying, you know, I don't know what people thought, we need time, but he's been there for 18 months. He would have done in the next in a couple of months' time and, and they really need to steady the ship because I can't really see them finishing seventh at the moment.
0: All right, next number, number 43. and That's the number of crosses Spurs attempted against Swansea. That Wembley hoodoo. I know they beat Dortmund in the Champions League, but that doesn't count. That doesn't count. They're still alive and well. Uh, still not one there in the Premier League. And it looks like it's really genuinely playing on them. Swansea should not be getting a result at Spurs. Really, I think realistically they, they were celebrating like they'd won the game at the end. So, Mo, do you think Spurs have have let this Wembley thing get to their head, or is it just the way teams are setting up when
2: they play away? I think they, they, it's definitely in their heads. I mean, you say what you want about the Dortmund game, and you okay, that they, they did very well to win that game, but Roman Burke let two absolute ridiculous goals in from Harry Kane and Son. So like those were shots were just like chances at the near post, and if he just stands up, he saves both of them. He basically fell to his knees, and they both went in. Without those goals, they lose that game. You know, it's. Um, yeah, Spurs. I don't know, man. It's it's hard. It, there's something wrong. There's fundamentally something wrong with them. Obviously, we've talked at length about home advantage and what that actually means. Other other people have written on it extensively. You know, getting to know the dimensions of the pitch. You know, just you know where you are by the sightlines on the on the grou- Crowd, but. Whatever it is with Spurs, they don't they don't look comfortable at Wembley, and you can tell by how well they actually play away from Wembley that it's the the, the, the problem is purely mental. It's purely when they go there, it, it's like an it's like a different kind of away game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Swansea deserve uh, some credit for their defensive performance. I mean, they they offer absolutely nothing going forward at the moment. I mean, their their shots on target ratio is absolutely awful. But they, I mean, Clements obviously got them now set up in a way where they, where they can restrict shots. Um, you talk about the crosses, and I think that we're seeing and O'Reilly sure should improve this in time. But you're seeing just how much they're missing their attacking fullbacks. We across Europe consistently the elite European clubs rely on their fullbacks to basically play as second wingers and you have kind of two at the back with a man sitting in front and you say they had 43 crosses there were just seven completed take-ons um, from Spurs in that game with, I think Swansea had 10 and that just shows kind of the lack of penetration they've got as well and if you look at the, the 26 shots they had only eight were inside the area so you can see there's just an absolute um, inability to break down two banks of four which is you know, reminds me of, of Liverpool's troubles under Klopp in the last couple of seasons and not having those players who can, who can get who can cover the flanking and penetrate from deep is is what seems to be really hurting them at the moment and the return of Rose will help and they need to integrate Orio into the team because whatever people say about him and he's, and he's a decent enough player Trippier is not the man you want playing at right back when you're taking on a team who are playing with two banks of four
0: How do you reckon they'll do it? the mini very far away Wembley? Uh, this weekend against West Ham,
1: fortress <laughs> London that, that, Stadium. I, I, I think it will be a tennis score, I thought. <laughs>
2: yeah, this, to this, yeah, this, to, this to, is to Spurs. this is the sort of thing that that's the sort of game where they'll thrive. You know, West Ham will probably come out and play and then just expose themselves to the counter attack. Spurs are very good on the counter attack, and it's not Wembley. And I think they, they, there's there's just a, pro- a, f- a problem it, with them. Fair, it, it nearly is. It <laughs> nearly is close. It's close enough. Admittedly, yes, it's close, but it's still not Wembley. You know, uh, they, they pop down Westfield afterwards and <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I think that that's probably the best possible game. Spurs could have had right now is, is West Ham because it's and away as well because the, you know it's, it's a nice it's not an easy win but West Ham are such a mess right now it's it, it would be a very good chance to get a win but they need a win in the Premier League at home and I don't know where they're going to get it really I'm going to be shaking my fist at you at about two o'clock on Saturday afternoon <laughs> Cursing
0: you. Anyway, next number thirty four point eight kilometers an hour, and that's not just the speed. I'll be shaking my fist. It's Gareth Bale's top speed against Real Sociedad for their goal the other day. Breeze past the defender, chipped it over the goalkeeper, and it was it was kind of like that Copa del Rey goal in the final that was just ridiculous. Where we all thought, "Yep, yeah, Gareth Bale has arrived." Yeah. Is this the beginning of him sort of getting over those injury problems? Because uh, do you remember when Fernando Torres was at Liverpool and he had that? hamstring injury I think it was and it was kind of the end of when he was brilliant I was thinking a little bit that that might have happened with Gareth Bale and the few injuries he's had over the last couple of years at Real Madrid but when he went off like that (laughs) I don't associate. Dad, it seemed like oh, he's not scared to sprint. Which I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced. Sometimes
1: I'm not convinced there's been any indication. I mean, being scared to sprint is one thing. There's been no indication of, of Bale's injuries impacting him too much as a footballer. I don't think. Certainly not as so much as an athlete. I mean, you use Torres as an example. When Torres, before his injury, he was absolutely explosive. He was rapid. And then you look at the kind of the pensive, lumbering player that you know end up going to Chelsea and is now Atletico Madrid. He's a completely different player. He may have value, but he's not the player he once was. Bale's never lost that. Bale turned 28 this summer. Um, he should be in, in the absolute prime of his career the fact he can still you know go at that pace if you look back to just a year ago people were saying that he was kind of now the main man over Ronaldo so it's obvious I mean how quickly things can change Uh, the rise of Asensio is obviously something where the Real Madrid fans would far rather see him on the pitch uh, over Bale which is an issue for Bale because I think that Benzema and and Ronaldo are basically I mean they're they're going to be starting when they're fit in effect so that's going to be a problem for him but I've got no question at all that when he's fit, he he would just slot straight into any team in the world,
2: and he's still got a couple of good years in him. Whether or not he can maintain that level of fitness is is, is anyone's guess, really. Well, that's the problem with Gareth Bale. It always has been. I mean, the reason he, like you say, he was at the end of 2015, 16, he was the one that powered them to that Champions League final. He was probably behind this guy Modric, their best player in that final. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo looked to be for all his goals. He was looked to be a faded force at the end of 2015, 16. Then Gareth Bale injury struck, and he was he was r- terrible in 2016, 17. There's no let's no, not mince words, and he was. Because he was basically on the sidelines and his injury allowed well forced Zidane to play Isco and that basically gave Madrid a whole new lease of life turned them into the best team in Europe and allowed them to have their best season since the 1950s uh, you know so you, you could figure people were thinking oh dear Gareth Bale's on the outs but Zidane's always shown faith in him Florentino Perez has always shown faith in him he was Florentino Perez's big signing around but that's the you know Cristiano wasn't his, wasn't Perez's guy Bale was Perez's guy so they've shown faith in him and look he showed here this is he physically he's not lost it but the problem is always stylistically does he really fit Real Madrid you know, this new Real Madrid with Isco. No, not really. Asensio is more, more akin to that. And as George hinted at, Madrid fans prefer Asensio because he's young, he's Spanish. And Bale, even when Bale was brilliant, Bale always looked out of place at Real Madrid. It was only really under Gareth, but under Rafa Benitez, where he looked like, OK, I know what we're doing. I'm the, I'm the head of this Madrid side. Because he's always had a kind of dodgy technique. He can't really dribble anybody anymore. He just runs past them with pace and power. And Madrid want a bit more pizzazz, you know, as much as, you know, I, I, and that's that's always been Bale's problem and you know he, he he may not may never win the fans over but he could definitely still stay and play like George says he's brilliant he's absolutely fantastic and I think he'll stay for years to come he's determined to make he's not. He's, he's determined to not return to the Premier League with his tail between his legs so I think he'll stay at Madrid for a while yeah.
1: surely no one's ever been booed having scored the kind of the important goals that Bale scored for, for Real Madrid I mean it's it, absolutely well, unbelievable he yeah, scored it, some of the biggest goals in their history basically in the last but they and, don't
0: really like you see it online a lot they really lay into him don't they Yeah. You know, every time he gets an injury they're like good, get rid of him.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's they lay into they lay into everyone, man. The, the Bernabeu is a very strange, strange atmosphere. They lay into Cristiano Ronaldo, even though as he continues to score goal after goal after goal and you know win them trophies. But you know, they just they're just a very very demanding crowd. And the thing with Cristiano is he's obviously declined in many aspects of his game except goal scoring. And they they sort of feel like. Well, you score goals, okay, fine, but what else are you going to do for me? You know, it's it's a very, very, very demanding atmosphere.
1: Just whilst Real Madrid, I just wanted to. I mean, it's it's not quite stats based, but I just wanted to draw attention to my favourite ever Ronaldo moments. And there have been a few where he managed to argue with the um, with the goal line technology third official during the Champions League. What last week, which is just brilliant. <laughs> I mean, the ball comes down, the guy looks at his watch, he says no goal, and he's still at him saying it was a goal. I mean, only Cristiano could argue with technology. I think it's like the uh, when when you're playing FIFA with someone and they're convinced that. They're not offside. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: like, no, a computer has decided yeah. this. The game the <laughs> game is not the game is not apt to get you. You're
2: just you're offside. This this is a fact.
0: And another fact is that it's taken Paolo Dybala hundred games to score fifty goals for Juventus. Fifty-two, actually, because he got a hat-trick this week, is second in a row. How good is Dybala? Is he like Messi's second coming? Or is he just going to be one of many good young strikers coming up in
1: Europe? I'm sure Mo's going to agree with me that there's no point in saying Messi's second coming. Yeah,
0: there's,
2: there's no. There's he no, can say that
0: about everyone. He can say that about Mo Salah when he was young. There, there's, yeah, no, yeah. There's, there's
2: no second coming of Messi. He's... he's- Best player in the world, probably the best player of all time. Uh, there's nothing. But look, what you can say is, and I wrote an article like this uh, the other week, is that DiBala is never going to replace Messi and truly, but he could be his successor at Barcelona purely because if you look at the way he plays, it's basically like Messi. This is why I don't understand why Barcelona want to pair them together. It doesn't really work. They do the same thing. Argentina, uh, Jorge Sampaoli is obsessed with doing this for Argentina right now, and it's not working because they do the same thing essentially. And even though he's paid 3 4 2 1 to accommodate these two as, a, as a two number 10s, it doesn't work. And, you know, you, but you look at the stats, right? Look at the numbers. In terms of goals, assists, chances created, and take-ons across Europe's top five leagues since Dybala moved back to Serie A, which I think is 2014-15, since then only three players appear in the top ten across Europe's top five leagues for all those stats. So that's Messi, Neymar, and DiBala. Now DiBala not as high up as Messi and Neymar. Messi is number one across all stats. Neymar is there, just a bit below him a little bit, and Dybala's a bit below him. So, but you can tell ne- Neymar was Barcelona's succession, succession plan for Lionel Messi. He's left. The new succession plan is going to be DiBala, I think. Uh, when once Messi moves further back into midfield, you know they'll probably look to get Dybala off Juventus. Juventus has shown they're willing to sell for record fees Um, and Dybala will take Messi's place in the final third. I think he's a very good player and he'll be great but he, no one's going to be messy. there's you know it's impossible it's an impossible standard to live up to no one can do that. On, the, on that
1: messy, I mean I think for just quickly I think Dybala is absolutely unbelievable and he's he needs the player that you know we spoke about Lukaku earlier and said how good can he be he's is the guy to ask that question of because he's the one guy at the moment who's a little bit older than that kind of Dembele Mbappe age group who's just that little bit older that bit more established who could go on to kind of win Ballon Doors in, in two or three years but, but you just you say the Messi's continuation back into midfield haven't we seen under Valverde that's Kind of stopped. So like his passing stats are down. He's he's playing further forward. He's not kind
2: of dropping deep as he was last season to kind of collect and uh, collect and go. Yeah, I think that's a function of the team. Though. I think it's a function of the team's dynamic. Valverde De- knew basically from when he took the job that Neymar was leaving, although they didn't tell us that Neymar was leaving until it actually happened. But I think what he's done is okay. The, the whole reason Messi could play so far deep last season was because Neymar was essentially doing what Messi did in the final third—take ons, creating chances, etc., etc. There is no player like that anyone. I mean, yeah. Dembele is very good, but he's not
1: Neymar. Delphoe is not
2: Neymar. Yeah, Delphoe De- De is not even Dembele. Delphoe <laughs> De is. Barely a footballer, so you know they, they they need Messi in the final third. Luis Suarez isn't isn't really adapting very well, so it's clear he has different ideas about what what to do with it with this system. But I think eventually Messi is going to he's basically playing like a number ten right now. If you look yeah. at him, he, he completely runs across the pitch. Yeah, uh, you know. So the, and the eventual idea is I think I assume Barcelona once they accept that Iniesta is not what he was even close to what it was, I think they'll switch to four two three one. I think Paul uh, pull the other like central midfielder deep next to Busquets, and then have Messi just as a permanent number ten, have a number nine, and then have two wingers either side. I think. At Actually, had Coutinho been signed for Barcelona this summer, I think that would have happened probably this season. I yeah. think that's probably the long-term, vision, long-term goal. But without Coutinho, you can't really make a system work. It's
1: interesting how Mo and I both said that Debala wasn't a Messi number two and then the conversation on Dybala has just turned into one about Messi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 94.2% of his goals have been with his left foot. Does that mean he's a one-footed, useless Nobhead, or does it mean he's just really, really good <laughs> so
2: with his I, left I, I foot?
1: Say, I, say, I, say I say he's one-footed, really good, I mean, serious number eight Not. not in, oh, well, I've never met the bloke. <laughs> you, know. Know. you Look you at those comment. two
2: goals against Barcelona in the Champions League last year. I mean, they were absolutely sumptuous, uh, the session, the, especially the second one, just the technique with which he hit it. Yeah, I mean, you know, part of the fact that he's only scoring those goals with one foot—that's another reason why. I mean, for example, Messi is obviously one-footed, left-footed, but you've seen how many goals he scored with his right, especially how many chips. He scored with his right. That's just another one of the unique things that no one can do. But yeah, it is ridiculous. Yeah, he's not Messi, oh, but actually, here's how he compares to Messi, and here's how he could be the new the replacement for Messi. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. He could literally physically replace Messi in the Barcelona side, but no one can actually do what Messi <laughs> yeah. does. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's just he could the-
1: literally physically replace him. conjures up some very <laughs> weird images of, 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 of just turning into. Training. Any one day and just pretending to be messy. But. I am messy. Love me now.
0: <laughs> right, I'm doing some maths on my two hands. I think it's bad maths. But 94.2% of 52 goals. Does that mean he scored just over one goal with something that wasn't his left foot?
1: I mean, I, d- I doubt it was his head either. So so he scored, his, a goal.
0: he scored a goal and a bit with his right just foot. Just his chocolate
1: leg, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, well, as embarrassed as I am about my maths, it's trying to mo- time to move on to I'm embarrassed to ask. Oh, God, I'm embarrassed. I can't even say it. I'm embarrassed to ask. What would happen if the league stopped right now? Because Man City and Man United both have 13 points, identical records so far, same goals scored, same goals conceded, same wins, same draws. So... Where's the trophy going?
1: Well, I mean, conversely to normally in this section, it's a question that kind of everyone's asking. But at the moment, you're the only person asking this. I've, I've, I've looked...
0: But what if there's only a five-leagues at five-game well, season?
1: Exactly. I think it's because something to do with having over 30 games left this season means that people aren't really wondering yet. <laughs> but um, but I've done some research into it, and we kind of... with. with with certain success um I looked in the Premier League uh, rule book and clause C7 states if it's my favorite clause if any two or more clubs have scored the same number of points have the same goal difference and have scored the same number of goals in league matches in that season they shall be deemed to occupy the same position in the table so as far as I can what? tell so no one wins or, or everyone wins you know I don't want this to be to be gospel I'd assume that if one of them already won the league that they would retain it I guess in a kind of Ryder Cup way um, but I, I I just don't know That, I mean that, that is as far as I got I think this is maybe something that's unprecedented I'm sure actually it is something that's unprecedented I don't think it's ever happened before it's something that I think nearly happened last season between a couple of clubs a bit lower down Arsenal and Liverpool Arsenal Liverpool with a couple of games to go um, so that or with one game to go there was, one was game possible, to go is, yeah. is
2: possible and then the so results there obviously
1: get. is is a precedent to it I, I, I cannot tell you whether or not there would be a playoff, I can't tell you whether or not there'd be a a, a shootout at dawn. I can't tell you if it's ma- mathematical.
2: But to start with, they would they would both be deemed to come first. I mean, you can't, two things can't occupy the same space at the same time. That's basic metaphysics. Come on now, uh, Premier League. Except if you literally
0: uh, physically replace Messi. Uh, they yeah, both come
2: on can do it, but no one else can. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it would be very much playoff time. I think the, the, the Premier League is that, is that the wow. official jingle. <laughs> you, know, of no, can you, you can just imagine the Premier League babies going, "Yes, 39th game card last, and it will be wow. yeah, yeah, a they're they're, sl- staying up at like waiting th- for th- it to th- happen. I thought we'd ban that, that number. Oh, we it, don't want to talk about that. It's, it's, it, it would absolutely happen. I think if if if, if it can, it will be unprecedented. You can't have two teams win the same thing. I know. Uh, you know the English uh, the English football mentality of accepting ties, accepting sharing trophies went out when they stopped sharing the Community Shield. No one's going to accept that. Everyone, everyone will want a winner. And I think a playoff between the two of the sides at a neutral venue would just be uh, just money. Just imagine imagine selling it, you know, t- t- selling the global rights to watching this. Oh, my goodness. Here's the 39th game. It's a playoff. It would just be enormous. Would, you,
1: would it still be as exciting if, um, say, Huddersfield finished 18th and Brighton finished 17th? And that won the same and they had to have a 39th game to see who stayed up. I think that would be exciting, actually. it took I, I place in Thailand. Huddersfield <laughs> are great to watch, but I'd like to see that, you know. Yeah, it was a bad, bad choice. I was thinking of two promoted teams, but um, <laughs> I mean, there must be something beyond beyond that. It's not written in the official rule, but but obviously, um, especially considering there there was there was was going to happen last season, you'd guess that uh, that there is a means, and probably it would be a playoff to to decide who um who won the league. But I think we can probably agree that it's it's fairly unlikely to happen.
0: Do we have the best sort of method for it over here? The best, uh, evidently not. Because like the league they use, the league they use head to head, don't they? Or yeah, between they,
2: the two sides, it, it's head to head between the two sides until I mean, well, until the head to head is played goal difference, and then once the two teams have played each other twice, head to head comes into effect. They and that sorts out so many uh, decisions all throughout the season. The head to head records, I like that. It's a good system, although it can have the effect of reducing the league season down to two games, especially if you're like when Barca and Madrid had that duopoly thing going on, and they kind of have it going on again now. But but before let Madrid rose up, it was like the two clasicos. This is the game that decided. Of course, in two thousand. 10, it literally did and 2006-7 uh, when Real Madrid won the league in goal difference in 2006-7 because they got a draw at the camp now and then in 2009-10 Barca won La Liga by three points but it was essentially the two classicers which settled the tie so you know it'd be, good to see, it'd be interesting to see if the Premier League could adopt the head-to-head rule I think it'd be quite would would raise the stakes for certain? Well, big games.
1: I, I, th- I think there's scope to do that. I mean, I think the goal difference will never go. But even if it was maybe if goal difference is level, then the goal difference in your head-to-heads or mm. something like that, just mm. to just yeah. to make it. Because I think there's absolutely no harm in keeping the you know making the games between the the, the teams around each other higher stakes because they should be. I think that you know whilst it may seem to us watching on the TV or, or, or watching at the ground that you know United City is a bigger game than the rest, and obviously you're taking points off each other, but it's it's still a game for three points, one point, naught point, depending on the score. And I think that. having Having that increased um, importance as to how much you win by and the likes of it for those games would would, would maybe add yet more drama to, uh, to, to the Premier League. More drama,
0: more confusion. In our next segment, my God, that was smooth. Who's this fella? What a clunky, clunky segue. <laughs> Who's this fella? Right then, friends in the room and listeners. Mario Lamina. Talk to me about him. He's at South Am- Southampton now. He's another sort of young midfielder alongside Oriel Romeo, who might not even be young anymore, but I remember him being young at some point. Uh, He's come from Juventus, which means he's probably won loads and I wasn't really aware of it. He must have won... A couple of Serie A titles and couple of doubles. A couple of double and stuff. A c-
1: Couple of couples, so, yeah. Is
0: he actually incredibly experienced and really, really good? Have they got a uh, incredible deal there, or is it just uh, sort of one of the leftovers from a very good Juventus squad?
1: It's, it's. He's a weird one. Well, I mean, he's not. He's a good player, but he, he <laughs> yeah, basically. But he's a weird bloke. No, he did. He did well at Marseille when he was young, um, and he he went initially on loan to Juve, uh, and then they they for a year. Huh? And then they got him in on a uh, on a full-time deal um, where he was only there for a year again. He only made 29 Serie A appearances for Juve. So you're, yeah, it's fair enough that you don't uh, have necessarily heard of him, even though he was part of that, those squads who did so well. He's a very versatile player as well, which I think is another reason why maybe he hasn't made the grade at Juve. He's a player who is comfortable in the middle of the park. He, he actually played, I think, up in, for Bielsa in a back three as well at Marseille. He can play at full back. And I think one being that utility player, as we've seen with many, many players, especially probably at Man City, being brought in to cover a number of positions can end up meaning you, you just basically rarely play and it may not be um, because of his talent if you look at his his kind of position playing for Southampton in the middle of the park you know the likes of Pjanic you know it's going to be very very hard for him to break into that Juve team in in the last couple of years Um, I think it's an interesting signing for for Southampton because it's a bit of a shift in their um, kind of transfer philosophy I think they brought in a player for 15 and a half million which I think is a club record fee uh, for Saints Um, and it shows that they're maybe not buying to sell anymore and this is a guy 24 years old Could well have a really important career ahead of him, and and anyone who watched the game on the weekend that was on Sky against uh, Crystal Palace would have seen a player who kept it very very tidy, didn't really do much on the ball, just kind of sat deep and was passing either side. I think that that could be misleading. I think he's got a lot more to his game than that. He's more dynamic than that. He he will you know look to 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 break forward more often. But I think maybe he's just he knew that was the role they needed him to play in that game, and uh, and his versatility again was was his biggest strength. I
2: think there's it's a lot, there's a lot of similarities to, to actual to Oriol Romero actually next to him. You know, Romero was a part of those bar, the great Barca teams on the Guadalajara, while, while actually not being a part of them, he was just sort of backup player, squad player. He was there and about there about. So he, he's had experience of a winning locker room without actually being part of one. Lamina is the same sort of thing with Juventus. Uh, I think you know th- there's theory that you know they could you could play them together because obviously the thing is you know Lamina technically yeah he, he loves a tackle so he can, he can get he can play the defensive he get stuck in the Premier League that kind of thing. But also he can move the ball forward, he can dribble with the ball, he can play passes, he can, you know, he can try things, try interesting things and move the ball forward. So you could theoretically play them as a two and actually have Lamina occupy a very different role. Certainly in some games he can just, like Joe says, keep it tight like he did at the weekend. But also in some games he can as he gets more confident, more settled on the side, he become more expansive and add a bit more of a new a new dynamic to Southampton's midfield. Of course it's not really the player Southampton needed to buy they needed to buy a consistent goalscorer. But um you know with him with him now they're also insured now because now if Romeo gets injured they're not going to be it's not a disaster for them. They can play can plug Lamin in, in Romero's role and he could do a decent job there but then also when everyone's fit they can play them together and have a very very solid basis to free up their attacking players as it were
1: I I do think that whilst I agree with you that they do need a striker um, and you know Austin's uh, obviously will not be fit for, for much of the season. You wouldn't have thought, even though he is now, or ish now. But um, I, I do think they did, they did need that kind of multi-dimensional midfielder. Because if you look yeah. at the midfielders they've got, they've got Stephen Davis, um, they've got Oriol Romeu, they've got James Ward-Prowse, who, who are all consistent performers. You know exactly what you're going to get with them, though. And I wouldn't say they're going to provide anything particularly uh, extraordinary. In, in Lamini you've got that player who, who can do that sitting role, can keep it simple or can be more expansive. So I think he'll add something important to them I think that the fact he's not a household name combined with a club record fee means it's quite a weird transfer looking from the outside but um, I think it's a bit of a coup and uh, and he'll certainly be uh, I think far better known in the Premier League in, in a couple of months time where's
0: Laminas ceiling? is that, is that phrase where's his ceiling Where's where's yeah, I think it is. Where's his ceiling? Is it just going to be Liverpool like the rest of the Southampton players? <laughs> or is he going to the top at some point?
1: This is a guy who trained at Juventus for a year after they won a double and persuade and, and forced their hand to spend 10 million euros on him. So his ceiling is is going back to a club as big as Juventus. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, he's, he's never going to be one of the best midfielders in the world, but he could easily be, uh, you know, one of those, a genuinely top, like so, top sort of 10 midfielder in a, in a top league, you know? So he, he's, you know, he's never going to make everyone go, oh, wow, yeah. But, you know, he, and like you said, he would send at Liverpool anyway because he'll play really well and then uh, Jurgen Klopp will go I like him let's sign him and then they'll (laughs) they'll, they'll make a move
0: so you two are agreeing now but you won't be for long because it's time for the fabled Stats Showdown
1: Stats Showdown
0: so here we are in the middle of the desert George has a duster on Mo has a lovely hat a cowboy hat not just a, a regular snapback or anything,
2: and a poncho. Is, that, a, is,
1: poncho. is that your go to hat?
0: <laughs> My regular oh, that's hat. Sign of the
1: times, isn't My it? My regular hat, not a regular cow- hat I, like I a, snapback. a cowboy
0: hat. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what Mo's wearing. George, like I said, just has a leather duster and nothing else. Uh, <laughs> armed with their stat guns, ready to supply me with some knockout stat knowledge that I'm going to plagiarise and make myself seem incredibly knowledgeable somewhere. Somewhere over the rainbow, where people need football stats. <laughs> first up this week, Mo. It's your first time on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you take the first stat shot Thank at you. George.
2: Okay. Uh, no London Premier League club scored last weekend. Yeah, the, no London club scored in the Premier League last weekend. That's the last time. The last time that happened. Sorry, was the 25th round of the 2008 nine season when Chelsea drew 0-0 with Hull, Spurs drew 0-0 with Arsenal, West Ham drew lost one 0 to Man United, and Wigan drew 0-0 with Fulham. You can tell he's a newbie, can't you? He's mentioned
1: a West Ham loss in his stat. (laughs) Have have I made a mistake there? But I
2: mean, if you're you're going to mention a
0: West Ham stat, it's more more than likely it's going to be a loss, isn't it? I'll make it up to you, don't worry. George, Um, stat
1: me. So I'm going to talk about the topical team, I'd say, in the Premier League at the moment in Crystal Palace. who are obviously bottom of the league. And this isn't my stat, but I think they've, they've broken the record for the most time at the beginning of the season without scoring. But despite not scoring yet this season, despite being bottom of the league, Crystal Palace have had 38 shots taken in the opposition's area. That is sixth in the Premier League and two more than Chelsea. Mm. Wow.
0: But most of them came in that one game, didn't they, they? I've moved Mo to a wow. You moved Mo to a wow. But I, I sort of bowed my head at Mo's, Mo's stat. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is weird that none of the London team scored. So I'm going to give round one to the Mo. <laughs> Machine no. gun, the moshi gun. Mo gun, the mofo show. Uh, <laughs> George, are you going to fire back at him? Yes. Yeah. With, with vigor.
1: Yeah, so um, it's better be vigorous. Obviously, Liverpool again, another team in the news at the moment for their abject um, display in the in the draw against Burnley. Um, Philip Coutinho's return in that game, um, and he had seven shots in the seventy-eight minutes. One was taken in the box, six were taken outside. At the beginning of last season, Burnley beat Liverpool 2-0 in a very similar game. In that game, Coutinho had eight shots, seven were outside the box, and one was on target. So over the two games, he's had 15 shots of which one's been on target and and only two have been inside the box.
0: 130 million. It's a good stat. Mo, what you got?
2: Oh, you're going to like this one. (laughs) Oh, I better. Andy Carroll hasn't scored more than 10 Premier League goals in a single season since 2010-11, but... He has assisted or scored a goal every 180 minutes when fit during that period.
1: Moe's most apparently the only person who can tell when Andy Carroll's fit. 180
0: <laughs> minutes is quite a long time. And Andy Carroll is quite good. I know because I've seen him. He's effective. <laughs> also, I mean, I would say that was sucking up to the host. <laughs> George, Thanks. you've equalised.
1: Thank you. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Coutinho. I've slagged off Philip Coutinho so many times in this room. It's good that it's finally won me a point.
0: Your uh, chance to... Kill George with stats. All right, this is, is this, nigh, Mo. This is your chance.
2: This is a bit of a bit of a sledgehammer. This one uh, actually spawned sporn, spawned by a bit of a, a bit of Twitter beef actually that I was having uh, on Sunday. Uh, since the start of last season, since st- since he started playing a number nine, Edison Cavani's had eighty-one shots from big chances. That's the highest across Europe's, Europe's top five leagues, and twenty-six more than second place. His thirty-nine goals from big chances is also the highest. Right, so you think that's impressive? Yeah, okay, fine. But his forty-eight big chance conversion rate. Places him 92nd across all players in Europe's top five leagues. That's behind Radamel Falcao, Lionel Messi and even Troy Deeney, who has got 50% cha- big chance conversion rate. So you're telling me that Cavani misses a lot of chances? Uh, big chances. Not what ju- not what just... I'm going to
1: say here
0: <laughs> is that's not news to me.
1: I thought, I thought the interesting bit of that is that Troy Deeney is very Troy Deeney is, is the interesting part. Yeah.
2: Seven, seven, uh, seven goals from 14 big chances since the start of last season. Big Troy, George. I, got, I think I think you've no. got him on the but You've let me down before.
1: I've gone for a weird one again because I know you like weird oh, ones. Oh, hey, um, here we go! Everyone's got everyone's got wacky hats on, cowboy hats, ponchos. So there have been 450 minutes so far in the Premier League. Oh my god! Brilliant. The outfield player that, that that should have been it. Uh, the <laughs> I was out, impressed enough. The outfield player with the worst passing accuracy, with 55%, is Christian Benteke, who's only completed 67 passes in 450 minutes. That is the worst, that's the fewest passes completed pass of anyone who's been ever present this season, only because Harry Kane has been taken off for 20 minutes, otherwise he'd have won it with 64. That Harry Kane thing,
0: I think that swung it for me. The Harry Kane at the end. Mo, you went ahead, but Wow well, yeah.
2: I brought, brought the Troy Dean in Then I there. I thought, big Troy, get done for me.
0: You'll be eternally behind for this week. Sorry, anyway. It's, 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 you next it's his
2: first time, we went easy on him, Oh, God. <laughs>
0: George, too too cocky. George, where where can people find you gloating on the internet?
1: Um, I'll be cracking on right now. Yeah, so on uh, <laughs> at or, uh, at George Ellick, Elek, E L E K on you Twitter. Spell. You can find me there. Like, what? No one knows how to spell my surname, so E L E K is the way to do it. And Mo,
0: where can we find your scathing replies to George?
2: <laughs> at Muhammad Bot on Twitter, M U H A M M A D, because no one can spell my first name. So.
0: And you can find me at Rob Armstrong underscore WH. And you can find this podcast on Deezer, on iTunes, where I know you're absolutely begging to subscribe to it, as well as rate and review it in a positive way, of course. And we'll see you next time on Defending in Numbers.
1: Defending in Numbers is a Deezer Originals production. You can find and download more episodes on Deezer and all major podcast providers.